When I was 23 years old, all anybody wanted to ask me was, what do you do for a living? And what was my response? My response was, I do awesome. I'm Steve Armato, and I started this podcast to interview awesome people who build awesome lives. So now, let's do awesome. Today's episode is with somebody that I met as he was in his early 20s when I met him. He worked for a client of mine full time with him and my wife. We traveled the world for two months living in Europe, and then he you know, he left and he started his own thing and he has had the ups and downs of entrepreneurship to the extreme, to levels that I myself couldn't imagine. And now he's built a company with a 12 person team and he's just continuing to get better every day. So I hope that you get a lot of value from this. I think this is going to be interesting to anybody who has ever been down and thought they were out. And this just is going to show you that you really could bounce back from anything as long as you just keep pushing forward and putting your mind to it. So stay tuned for this episode of Doing Awesome. Sam Knight, one of my one of my good friends, honestly. Um, we know each other for a very long time. You started Artifacts Labs. Um, th- welcome to Doing Awesome, man. How are you doing? Thanks, brother. Yeah, super happy to be here. Um, like I said, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. We go way, way, way back. So I'm pumped up. I'm ready to have a great conversation. Yeah, man. And so, like, I want you to take me back from the beginning. Like, people, I don't know if people realize how long we know each other, but I know you since well before, you know, before you started your own thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll, we'll get into all of that, but you know, you didn't start with artifacts labs. It all started well before, you know, before I even met you. Mm -hmm. So can you get, you've had a bit of a journey to get to where you are now. So can you talk about that journey? Like where it all started to where you're at today? Absolutely. Yeah. It's been quite the journey. Um, so I think going way, way back, I was an athlete growing up and I played college baseball, played two years of Juco ball and two years of D one ball. And, uh, from that, experience i learned very early on that you could not be the best at something but if you work really really hard you can compete with people that are maybe more talented than you so anyways that installed like a level of competition and drive in me that i I just realized that i could work my way through whatever i wanted because i wasn't the most talented i have kind of messed up eyes so for baseball that's obviously a huge issue But, you know, to make a long story short, when I was done playing ball, it was clear I wasn't going to go to the league, which is fine. And I decided, okay, you know what? I want to go to the league in business. I want to figure out how can I thrive professionally because that's I'm on an even playing field with other people. At the end of the day, it's just my brain versus other people's brains, essentially. And so what I did was I packed all my bags and I'm, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, moved to Los Angeles. So across the country, had basically no money just said, okay, look, I just want to figure out how to make this work and figure out how to just go find who I'm supposed to be in this world. And so I've always been very interested in technology. Throughout my baseball career, I would have a random internship here and there. And I interned at salesforce.com, another startup that was in a place called the Atlanta Tech Village, and just learned a lot about business and technology and startups. I've always been a tech nerd, really. Um, And so that was a fun experience. And then I moved to LA working for a tech startup. But I didn't like it at all. I mean, I just, I liked 
it was cool. We had raised a lot of money. There was a lot of energy in the office, but it was also very intense and very cutthroat. And I just didn't love the corporate. You have to be here from, I mean, I would get there at 6 a.m. a lot of days because I was on the sales team and they had our numbers and stats on the wall. It was so competitive and I'm okay with competition, but it was a little ridiculous. And, you know, we just had the CEO breathing down our neck at all times and it was kind of just a toxic environment. So, I've always been obviously very passionate about health and fitness and wellness. And when I was in college, I did these workouts called Insanity. And Insanity was created by a dude named Sean T. Uh, they're absolutely insanely effective workouts. It got me in the best cardio shape of my life. I loved it. And I followed Sean on Instagram. I wasn't you know, keeping super close tabs on him in his life, but I followed him because I looked up to him and thought he was the man, right? And so I was kind of scrolling Instagram one day at my job, coincidentally, to show you how engaged I was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I see this post pop up and Sean says, hey guys, I'm looking for basically an executive assistant that can help me with, he listed a bunch of different things in the business, a couple of them marketing related, a couple of them just general admin related and so on. And I didn't think much about it. I just kind of kept scrolling. And a couple of days later, I started thinking about it and I said, you know, I might be a good fit for that position because I have athletic experience. I have business experience. I mean, I'm, there can't be too many people with like my background that were applying. I really had no idea. So I said, you know, whatever, I'm just going to shoot an application, put it in there and didn't really think much about it. And then about, I don't know, two weeks, three weeks later, I get a message from someone on the team that says, Hey, look, you know, we really, really liked your inputs. Would you mind filling out more stuff here? I said, cool, no problem. Went and filled it out. I didn't even know who I was talking to at the time. Just went and filled out more stuff. I uh, still didn't really think too much of it, but then I got another message from uh, actually your wife who said like, hey, can you jump on a call? And so I was like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Sounds great. And I've, I remember this so clearly. I, I talked to Alex, who is like a big sister to me. I love her to death. And, and she was talking about you guys are going to some sweater party. I believe it was, I, wanna <laughs> say, I don't can't remember if it was Halloween or some holiday sweater party. It was one yes. or the other. It was definitely, it was definitely holiday. Definitely okay, holiday. Okay. Yeah. So she, she had the sweaters laid out and I, I can just remember this conversation. So clearly we just talked about my background and who I was and, and you know, what I was doing, had a great conversation. Uh, I think it went well on her end too, because from there she put me in touch with, uh, Bill who is, um, Sean's husband's dad. And he's a very successful businessman himself. He absolutely grilled me. I mean, this dude, like put on his game face and Bill's the man now. Like I love him to death and, and I communicate with him on social media from time to time. But I mean, he was so stoic. He didn't crack a smile the entire interview. He just absolutely grilled me. <laughs> and I thought I just completely bombed. And so I had, I had like maybe one or two more interviews like that. And then what happened was, this is pretty crazy. I was in a position where I, where I was, about to sign a year long lease in Los Angeles. And I was literally the next day I had to sign the lease. And so I messaged Alex. I said, Hey, look, you know, no worries if you guys have gone another direction, but I just need to know before I sign this year long lease, because you know, I just want to make sure she said, Oh, right. Can you actually get on a call with Sean and Scott tomorrow? And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's do it. Right. I'm like nervous as hell, freaking out, get on the call with these guys and just have an amazing conversation. You know, we just really, really hit it off. The energy was there. It was so obvious to me. And, and when I hung up, I was like, there's no way that this isn't going to work out. There's absolutely no way. So I pushed back the lease signing as much as I could. They let me push it back like a week. Went home for Christmas, got a call from them, from Sean and Scott, uh, Christmas Eve saying, hey, you know, we loved you. We want to give you the opportunity. Can you be in Arizona 
January 1st. And I'm in Atlanta at the time. My whole life is packed up in Los Angeles. I'm like, no problem. I book a flight home for the day after Christmas, pack up my life in the car, drive to Arizona, and spent three amazing years with the company, traveling the world, hosting events, just doing everything that they do to really transform people's lives and really make a difference in the world. And it taught me so much. It was really just an unbelievable experience. And we can drill into that if we, if you want to. But um, I think that at that point, I had essentially had a lot of experience with Sean, who's a high-level creator and a, and a smart businessman who's created a business around himself. But I also had corporate software startup experience. And so what I wanted to do is kind of combine these two realms that I'd lived in and create what is now Artifacts Labs. And so that kind of leads us to where the business actually started. Yeah, so... It's it's so funny. I want to go back to that interview that you had with Alex real quick. So that was when that that time in our lives was when we had first moved in together and mm. we were actually living with my parents for a year because we were going to move we were going to move to Staten Island where I'm from and my dad was like if you guys move here you're never going to leave. He goes come in here for a year. He goes have Alex comes with you. You live in the basement, side apartment, you have your own space, you pay off your college loans, and you're out of here in a year. And that's what we did. But when we were there, you interviewed, and my mom was in the background of the interview, and she was like, I really like that guy, Sam. Did you ever hire him? And I was like, yeah, we, we hired him. So that was like, that was, wow. I wanted to give you that. I don't think you ever even got that. mom's approval. Wow. Yeah, you even got mom's <laughs> approval. So there you go. Um, awesome. So now, like, you're, you know, you, we, we had such a, like you went, you touched on the experiences. Like yep. we had such a great experience because Sean was a client of mine. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's like family. He married yep. me and Alex and, you know, we spent two months in Europe together, which was, that was. That awesome. was an incredible experience. We had so much fun, dude. I, I, I was talking to my girl the other day talking about that experience and I was like, yeah, Alex and Steve, they were like my mom and dad slash big bro and big sis in a way almost. And we just like literally had so much fun eating pizza, drinking wine, walking around, being silly. Like, oh man, that was a memory I'll cherish forever. Yeah, seriously. Same on my end, man. That was incredible. So now let's get into, you know, you, you moved to Miami now. You start your business, you start your business a little bit before that, but then you moved to Miami and what were some of the challenges you faced? You're going to a new city, you're on your own, mm-hmm. and you're starting a business. And had you, what were the challenges you faced and how did you overcome them? Well, I don't even know if we have enough time in this conversation to talk about all of them because, <laughs> bro, there's literally been, I would say, four or five times since I started this business where I can just, I was just sitting, staring at the wall, just saying, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I should just quit and go get a job. Like it's literally happened so many times that at this point I'm almost immune to stress because I've been so stressed out. I feel like I literally wasn't going to take another breath. But um, anyways, so what happened was I, I left the job with Sean, which was not easy to do because it was an amazing job that had amazing perks and amazing benefits. But I knew what I wanted to do in my heart. I knew that if I didn't take this leap, I was always going to, I don't want to say be stuck there because it's not like it was a bad situation to be in at all. It was an incredible situation. It was just like the, I felt like the, there was a cap on my growth potential essentially. And that's just the truth of how it is a lot of times when you're in a job, it's like, there's only so high you can go. Right. Um, and, and that's great. Right. Because it also provides a lot of stability and, and there's some really good benefits to that as well. But anyways, I say I have to say, decided to make the leap had pretty much no money in my bank account saved up. I didn't do a great job when I was younger saving money. Um, 
I made plenty enough to, you know, pay rent and do some travel and like eat good here and there, but it wasn't, you know, anything crazy. So I had nothing saved. I still have to say I moved home for eight months. Actually, I moved in my parents' basement, which was not an easy thing to do. I was 28 and I was like kind of embarrassed about it. And, you know, I was just like, this kind of sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I also don't know how long I'm going to be here because right now I'm making like no money. I started out working with Sean very part-time. Like he was my first and only client. And I was doing Facebook and Instagram ads, which is hilarious to even think about now because uh, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it was a great, it was a, it was an interesting time. And the first couple months I was actually reflecting in my journal the other day is just so hard because I was just, I was so full of doubt. I had no clue what I was doing. I had no idea how to run a business. I, you know, would get a client that would pay me a thousand dollars a month here and there. And I would get steamrolled by the client and just like, it was just, it's just crazy how much you can grow in three years too, as a side note. But with that being said, um, eventually I was just so aggressive every single day. I was reaching out to people, blowing people's DMS up. I know the long story short, I met this dude on Reddit <laughs> and this guy was like a serial entrepreneur and his name is Charlie, really smart guy. Long story short, we started working together. We got a couple clients together and like this was kind of an extension of my business. So it was me and him doing this uh, and these clients, it was, it was interesting. We made some money, but then the whole thing kind of fizzled out. And at the same time, Sean and them decided that, you know, hey, we don't want to keep advertising like this because it, it's not the best model for our business. And COVID was rocking the economy. And so what had happened was my business started like this because it was just nothing. And then we started having a little success, but then it just went, I mean, completely to zero. And this is like four months into living with my parents. And at this point, I'm just like, oh my God, I am so screwed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I really didn't. I just, I was clueless. But I just remember those lessons I learned from baseball. And I was like, I just got to go to, I got to go to war. Like I got to fight. I got to do whatever I got to do. Um, I remember it vividly because I basically put everything in life to the side. I mean, I, I was pretty much just committed to, I was like, I don't care about having fun. I don't care about traveling. I don't care about doing anything, but figuring out how to make, my goal was to make $10,000 a month. And started just blowing people up. Anyways, long story short, got a couple clients and was making, you know, five, six, seven, eight grand a month, which was awesome for me to go from zero to that. I was like, wow, like I can actually bounce back from zero and I can have some success and lose it all and then kind of build myself back up. So that was the first time in my life really that I realized that when my back's against the wall, there's seems to be no hope that I can figure it out and keep moving. And, and that was a very important lesson to learn for a little bit later down the road. Um, anyways, so that allowed me to save up, you know, 20, 30, 40, I don't remember how much thousand dollars so that I could move to Miami. Miami is insanely expensive, but I wanted to be in Miami because the energy was just there. You know, all these entrepreneurs are moving there, these tech companies. I just wanted to be in the mix. I wanted to meet a bunch of people and I wanted to just, I just knew that if I, sometimes you got to just listen to your gut and my gut was t sending me to Miami and I didn't know why. Now it's so beyond clear. It's actually crazy looking back, but I just wanted to follow that calling. So I went down to Miami and then the experience really gets crazy. So I can tell you about that or we can talk about what I just mentioned. I don't, I don't know where you want to keep go. Keep going. It, but... No, keep going. I like, cool. I like where this is at because yeah. this, this is natural. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> For sure. So it gets, it, it gets pretty crazy. And, and it's honestly really cool to even say this out loud because I don't think we spend enough time reflecting on our own life and our own experiences. You know, I'm a big fan of meditation and the big reason why is because it just allows you to kind of slow down and reflect. So even like talking out loud about this is bringing things to my mind that I haven't thought about a lot. 
So moved to Miami, have some money saved, pretty much have to spend all of it because the rent market was so crazy. I had to pay a full year up front. So that completely Ooh. drained my bank account. It was insane. Never spent that much money even close at one time. But That's crazy. Once, dude, that, it was I, insane. I can't believe that. That's nuts. Oh my <laughs> it God. It was horrible. And But in hindsight, I'm glad I did it. It was a leap of faith and it was showing myself how committed I was to making this work. And so- right. I link back up with the dude from Reddit and we decide, okay, we're going to kind of keep going with what we were doing, but we're going to take it way more seriously. We shook hands on a partnership and, oh man, this is hard for me to even talk about. So we got a couple clients and dude, we were ki honestly killing it. This is uh mid 2021 kind of fall of 2021. Okay. I mean, dude, we were absolutely killing it at one point, you know, we were making, we we're, the business was making probably like a hundred K a month. And it was basically just me and him. And we outsourced a couple things and we were stacking up money in the bank account. Uh, and then comes January. And so I'm like, man, this is, I'm the greatest businessman of all time. This is amazing. Like, wow, I'm just soaring to success and all my dreams are coming true. So I go check the business bank account and there's no money in the bank account. And I'm like, Hmm, that's kind of weird. I uh, didn't think too much of it. I immediately call my partner. I'm like, Hey, can we jump on a zoom? He's like, is everything okay? It seemed like he was almost defensive. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's jump on a Zoom. So I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to understand. Like, I just went to the business bank account, but there's no money in there. And I don't know if you've ever accused someone of something that they did and they knew that they were wrong and they just kind of flip out. Well, this dude just completely flipped out of me and just lost it. I'm like, bro, I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm just curious where the hundreds of thousands of dollars are in our bank account. I mean, full transparency, there was supposed to be 500K in there, 250K each, and we were just gonna split the profits out. Right, right. But there was nothing. And so he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it in a separate bank account because it needs to be safe and protected and you don't need to question me and blah, blah, blah. And I realized then and there why it is so important and anyone listening to this, please God, if there's one thing you take away from this, always sign a contract. Whether it is a business partnership with your best friend or, you know, signing a client, literally always sign a contract. Because what I realized very quickly, and basically what he said to my face was that, guess what? This is my business. It's under my name. We never signed a contract. You're not actually a business partner. You're either going to keep working with me or I'm just going to keep this money. And I just couldn't believe it. I was absolutely just like, wow. I would say it's probably the lowest part of my entire life because I went from having nothing and being completely broke to thinking I had more money than I could ever imagine at the time. I mean, there might be people listening to this that are millionaires or whatever, but to me, 250K in cash was like, oh my God, I am just, this I is mean, incredible. When, when you're start, like when you're at that, when you're starting out at that point, you don't even, you can't even picture that. You're just like, this exactly. is the best, this is the best day of my life. Exactly. I, like, you know, like my problem, like a lot of problems are gone. Like there's still stuff, but like there, I could pay bills. I could do this. I could do that. Like, I don't have to worry about that. That is, Wow. Dude. Wow. And that is the, oh man, you talking about horrible. this. It's that's, I mean, all, yeah. Like always sign a contract. But always. the thing is, but the thing is too, like, we don't, we don't learn these things, right? We just mm -hmm. like you, you and me, especially like we, you know, we look for the best in people yep. and maybe sometimes that is to a detriment. But like, as you keep going, you learn like even somebody who could be, they might be your best friend. Like you mm -hmm. said, you like, you can't, you have to have contracts in the business world, man, that that's a wild story. But then you bounce back. Right. Right. So, um, there's a little bit more to that story though. That's crazy. So what happened was, uh, we had a client that we were working with 
And so I was basically like, you know, whatever, screw you, dude. I'm just going to take this loss. I've got to figure this out. I had no time to sit here. I was literally broke. So I was like, I have to figure this out. And at this point, this is early 2022. So about a year and a half ago, maybe. And next thing I know, I get a legal letter in the mail from this guy who's going to remain unnamed, a cease and desist saying that if you don't start working with this client immediately and pay me the money that you have made since we left our partnership working with them, Basically, for all intents and purposes, it says I'm going to take everything you have. That's essentially what it said. And so I had. I was going to say, at that point, you don't have anything. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's like he's threatening cars. He's threatening, like, you know, my rent, like that I had paid the month or the year in advance for, like anything that I could possibly have. He was threatening because the agreement with that client was under his LLC. And so, I mean, first of all, I mean, what a vicious thing to do to someone, right? right? Like it was, this guy is like 10 years older than me. So he knew he could kind of bully me. He knew I was unexperienced. Luckily, like I, I had like a thousand bucks to my name probably. And I hired a lawyer and we hit back really hard and basically just said, you know, if you do this, like we're going to win and we're going to, you're going to pay for everything essentially. And, And we went back and forth. Thank God it just kind of fizzled out and he just went away. Like that's that's ultimately what happened. And so it still cost some money, but it was more so a traumatic experience. I'd never been threatened to be sued before. I, I'd never want to like, oh, it was such a bad, I, I was like, am I a bad person? Did I mess up? What's going on? Like, I, I was so confused. I didn't even know if like I had messed up or not. Right, um, right. Looking back on it, it's very clear, but it was a tough, tough situation. So, you know, once again, I'm like, okay, got to pick myself up and I got to figure this out. Luckily, about a couple of months before then, I had started a TikTok account, just pure out of fun, pure out of just, I mean, just wanted to talk about what I liked. And it, I'm not going to say it blew up, but it started doing really well. I mean, got it up to like probably 80,000 followers. So it was like, clearly there's something there, right? And I started noticing patterns and trends. And I truly believe that business is about recognizing trends and pivoting before the market pivots, right? Right. So what I started doing is reaching out to previous clients and saying, hey, like, are you creating organic content? Like, are you posting, you know, TikToks and Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, et cetera. And they, none of them were like, no one was doing it, but it was at the point where everyone was starting to think that I should probably think about that. So what I did was I went and hired a bunch of editors from the Philippines, video editors, and I basically arbitraged them. And so I started signing clients and very quickly I got back up to that 10 K a month mark, which was once again, it's just the, And I think that the biggest lesson for someone listening to this is like, if you can prove to yourself that you're capable of bouncing back from anything, you're never going to have to worry ever in your life. Like there's no reason to worry about if this happens or that happens because you've proven to yourself that you can bounce back and you're emotionally resilient enough to kind of get back up, dust yourself out and get to work. And so I got to this point where I was making like 10K a month, which is to me just unbelievable. I felt like I was just so, so grateful and so happy. And this went on for about like eight months, I would say. So at this point, we're nearing like the tail end of 2022. Right. Um, I decided to make a big investment on Twitter because I wanted to grow on Twitter. So I hired this guy who I looked up to for a long time and he really helped me grow a lot. And by the way, Twitter is the best place to get business clients. It's not even close. Um, So not only did I like double my investment that I made with him from clients that came in, but this dude reached out to me. And this dude is my current business partner. He's named Diego. He's the, I love him to death. He's the man. Diego's got an insane story that I don't have time to go into. He yeah. basically was a political <laughs> prisoner in Venezuela. Wow. And he came as a refugee. He was driving Uber, sleeping in his car. He started making theme pages for podcasts that he liked. And he loved the My First Million podcast. And so he started making theme pages for Sam Parr. It blew up. Sam Parr hired him. 
and Sam Parr tweeted about Diego helping him. And overnight, Diego went from sleeping in his car to his business doing over $200,000 a month. Wow. Uh, wow. So that's an insane story for another day. But what happened was Diego didn't have the skills. Like I come from a very creative background. Diego was also kind of just arbitraging editors. He had none of like the creative side of the world to bring to these clients. And so it was just very basic, the Hormozy style edits, if you will. And he reached out to me because he was like, Sam, I love your Twitter. Like, I love the resources you're putting out there and the value and the game that you're putting out. Let's meet up. He happened to be in Miami. Once again, remember, I knew that there was a reason I was supposed to come to Miami. So right. we got sushi, just started meeting and talking, really hit it off. He's just an awesome dude. And he had things that I needed, which, I, you know, resource and access to people that I could only dream of working with. I had things that he needed you know, creative strategy and editors and all this stuff. So we're like, you know what? Let's just like partner up and do this together. So we decided to partner up. We created Artifacts Labs. And that's when both of our businesses went from these little kind of like glorified freelancing gigs to like a legitimate business. To today we have pretty much like 12 full-time employees. We're a seven-figure business and we're growing every single month. I mean, 20, 30%. And it's because, you know, Another lesson that I learned is I want to build with others and never myself ever, ever again. Uh, it's just a much more enjoyable experience, but also, you know, find people that complement you in ways that you need. And so, yeah, now we have Artifacts Labs. It's a creative content media business and we're growing and it's an absolute blessing. I love it to death. And I mean, that's really the long story short. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much the story. I also have a, an e-commerce brand called non-fungible mushrooms and it is uh kind of i'm just very passionate about wellness as you know steve and absolutely um, this is uh basically all these like organic mushrooms that are you know good for mental clarity and we have a bunch of different products but it's called non-fungible because you know it's a one-of-one your body and your health is a one-of-one so it's kind of a fun side project but it's starting to pick up some steam too and and both those things keep me busy pretty much all day (laughs) that's that's phenomenal and that's like you're you are fully entrenched in uh, in the entrepreneurship game (laughs) which I, I love. That is a wild story. And I don't Crazy, think, bro. and I don't even think people could realize, like I, it takes a while for people to realize, you know, it, there's going to be ups and downs. I don't know if everyone's going to have those ups and downs yeah. that you had. Cause those, that is insane. Yeah. But, and like now, and like, I keep, that's the thing. Like I'm always, when you first start out, right. You're thinking like, all right, 10 K a month is the goal. Right. And that seems like 10K a month, if you've been doing it for a little bit of time, you could do that fairly easily. Yep. And then it's that the, the getting to the next level is the hardest part of it, in my in my opinion. Once you go like after you get to that 10K, like pushing it to like to six figures a month is, mm. in my opinion, like Different the hardest like the hardest jump to make and then after that it's apparently supposed to be easy yeah. i'm not i'm not there yet i haven't made that jump well yet. let you guys I'm, I'm know under- if we figure it out <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so but um yeah man so what do you like artifacts labs you explained a little bit what yep. you do are you what do you do for people and businesses um as a whole you're making content is that the is that the game? uh yeah so basically what it is is i'm very inspired by this business called lyrical lemonade and it's created by a dude named cole bennett and essentially what he done he has done is he's completely revamped the the rap and hip-hop uh creative side of things so their music videos are just so creative and so out there so that's a huge inspiration for us and so we're really trying to make entrepreneurship technology business marketing all these like different i guess business would be the umbrella but under the umbrella you have entrepreneurship and you have technology and you you know there's a million different types of businesses and we're trying to 
make that entertaining and trying to bring that to the world in a way because I really believe that the future of content is not going to be obviously your standard ABC, NBC, whatever. You're going to have, you know, creators that are focused on business, creators that are focused on health. And so we're really entrenched with helping individual creators and businesses create content that is not only entertaining, but also provides value to their ideal target customer so that they can convert them and bring them into their world and, you know, obviously make more money at the end of the day. Um, that requires us to, we fly to a lot of our clients and we film all of the content. Uh, we have several creative strategists and copywriters on our team that before the, you know, we're doing our research on their industry, what's performing. Like we have a whole process that we go through before we film someone. For example, I was just in New York last week and uh, we filmed Jason Harris, who is the CEO of Mechanism. It's a $50 million a year advertising and marketing agency. And so, you know, for like two weeks before then, our copywriters and creative strategists are coming up with hooks, ideas, angles, you know, uh, different types of series that we can put in these videos. Then me and my business partner fly up, we film and record everything live. Uh, and then we bring it back, send it to our team. We have clippers on board. So what they do is they go through the interviews that we do and they clip out the best parts and then send it to the editing team. The editing team then sends it onwards to the distribution team and the social media managers. And then from there, they distribute it across every single medium and every single channel. And this has worked really, really well because what a lot of people are doing right now in short form is just taking a podcast and having a conversation and then creating content with it, which is a very, very effective way to get more eyeballs on you and your, um, and your just who you are in general and what you're doing. But there's also an element of creating that customized content, which is really what we're doing. Cause like a client doesn't necessarily need us as much to come in and help them with their podcast. And it's also just not our specialty or what we're good at. Right. We're better at the creative side of things. And so, yeah, we do record the videos and we have some wicked editors, but in my opinion, our magic is the creative behind all the videos. And so it's performing really well. It's a lot of fun. We get to work with some incredible, incredible people that are really making a difference in the world and in the world of business. And so, yeah, I mean, I would basically just summarize this as a content and media business that is helping businesses and entrepreneurs create content that is entertaining and also valuable. That's phenomenal. And I think, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. We're seeing it now. I don't think traditional media, people aren't going to get their info from traditional media no shot. as much anymore. Like it's, it's just not the way we do like younger people. That's not yeah. where we're getting our content. I, I, I don't even want to get into it. We could get into a whole lot of reasons why I don't yeah. watch it yeah. or care, but we don't have time. That's yeah. probably like three episodes. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and I know you've, you know, you've talked about, um, these people that you've met along the way, yep. other business owners. So like, do you have um, a mentor or mentors and do you think that they're important? Mm, mm. Yeah, I think mentors are absolutely important. Now finding the right ones is that's difficult. Right. Um, and I think that it also depends what stage of life that you're into. You know, when I worked with Sean, he very much was a mentor to me and he taught me, I'd say the biggest lesson I learned from Sean was what true hard work actually is not that I didn't already know it, but you know, you think of someone like him, like him who is, you know, rich, successful. You think he's probably just like sitting on the couch all day, drinking a margarita, like, you know, just living life. But that dude works, man. Like we, we would travel for two weeks and he'd say, okay, see you at 8am tomorrow. And I would just be like, we're not taking the day off. And, you know, it just really showed me that you can never let your foot off the gas if you want to be great. Um, so that was a great, you know, mentor of that time. Now, a lot of my clients are starting to take place as mentors. They're teaching me, you know, what it, 
how you build a business to sell it instead of just building a business to be a cash flow machine. They're teaching me, you know, how to manage and lead people. Um, I think that mentors are absolutely very important. And the best way, in my opinion, that someone could get a mentor is to provide value to them first. So if there's someone you really look up to, don't message them and say, hey, how can I help you? Figure out something that they're doing, a project they're working on, and provide value. Edit one of their videos and send it to them. Offer to go help at their next event. Whatever you can possibly do to just be in the vicinity of that person to develop that relationship. And don't expect to get any value at first. You just want to plant the seed and let it organically grow. But I do think having a mentor is extremely, extremely important. And I know that in um, some of my darkest times, having people to turn to has just been you know, life-saving, truly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you had said in there, like, mentors that are like the difference between building a business to sell and uh, a cash flow machine. Are you like, do you have aspirations of selling or do you want to just keep it as cash flow? Are you just looking for, are you looking to build this thing, build this thing, build this thing and, and sell it? What do you, what are your aspirations there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I read a book about a year or two ago called built to sell and I'd recommend it for any entrepreneur because I think that it's a bad idea to start a business because you want to sell the business. But I think it's a really good idea to build a business to be able to be sold if that's what you want to do at the end of the day. If you're going to put so much time and energy and effort into building a business, you may as well maximize the potential ROI you can get so you at least have the opportunity. So with Artifacts, as of right now, we have no plans to sell. You know, we want to, we, we literally want it to become like a major player in the world in terms of media and content. But with that being said, the price is right. I mean, you know, if we build up our infrastructure big enough, we have big enough clients, someone came and offered, you know, multi eight figures. Yeah, we would probably sell, you know, (laughs) I think that'd be something we would definitely entertain. Um, We have a ways to go till we get there, but it is possible. And so we are building up, you know, the first six months of the business, my business partner and I didn't take $1 out of the business because we wanted to pump it all back in. We want this thing to grow. Like, so we're less concerned about artifacts being a cash cow and more concerned about building an actual legitimate business that can stand on its own two feet. Luckily now we've started profiting really nicely from the business, but you know, we were okay with making that sacrifice as long as we needed to. Um, It's also important to understand the business vehicle that you're in because an agency is much more difficult to sell than an e-commerce brand or a start or a software brand. And the reason that is, is because this service base requires so much input. A lot of agencies are essentially glorified freelancers. And what that means is they don't have a team. And the reason that it was so important for us to not take profits is because we have, you know, six video editors on our team. We have three to four copywriters and creative strategists. We have four to five social media managers. We built out the entire team so that it's higher leverage, right? I am the one telling people what to do instead of actually doing it. And that saves me so much time. Uh, And and so I say all that to say, I do think we're going to sell Artifacts Labs one day. Unless it ends up, you know, it, it's a it's kind of a passion project too. So if we're just creating content that we love, we'll hang on to it. But once again, if the price is right, we'll we'll do it. I but I do want to emphasize that I think it's a bad idea to start a business because you want to sell the business. But that's different than building the business in a way that it can be sold in case that's what you want to do down the road. Yes, I I because I see it a lot. You know, just through my time working in. I've been in the sports industry for a while. Right. So like just through my time, like Bleacher Report. And then uh, we had we helped. I don't know if you've ever heard of the game day. We helped them start getting their like 
their podcasts off the ground when they first started. Mm. And just those, the people who lead those types of companies, they are building it to sell it. Yeah. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. They're building it to sell it. Now, I don't know if that, when they initially start, that's the goal, but when they like, they are trying to hire as fast as possible, bring in as many invest- investors as possible, build it, build it, build it. And then they're out. So it's, you know, I see, I see both sides of, yep. of it, but I agree with you. I don't know if like, I don't, I didn't start Lark media in the hopes of selling it. I started mm-hmm. Lark media cause I didn't want to have a boss anymore. Right. You know, it's like a totally different thing. Everybody has their reasons, but I am going to read that book too. Oh dude, it's, um, it's an amazing book. And I also think it depends what stage of life you're in because if let's say like, let's take you for example, let's say that you've ran Lark Media for 15 years. You've got a nice amount of cash that you're sitting on. Maybe you're not like filthy rich, but you're not stressed about money and you're living a good life. That might be a situation where you can start a uh, business that you are building to sell because you don't need the cash flow immediately necessarily. And you're able to work for one, two, three years without making a lot of money. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just think that the energy that it takes to build a business, if, if I'm just building a business just because I want to sell it, it's going to be hard for me to show up every single day versus one that I actually genuinely care about. And so I think there is a bit of, you know, what stage of life are you in? And then understanding that because, you know, I mean, there's been people that have built a business to sell it and they've sold it for nine figures and, you know, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, that, that's pretty, that's pretty good. We take yeah. that. We take <laughs> Seriously. that. So now, so now I, uh, you know, I want to ask you this. I do know the answer, but the crowd, the, you know, the listeners might not know the answer. Sure. So what are your thoughts on morning routines and do you have one? Mm, yeah. Yeah. So this is a super interesting question because it's something that we hear a lot about, right. With Huberman, uh, spitting his gospel. Every I love, day. I love you. Oh man. yeah. He's but the man. He's, he's the man. The problem is, is you can become, um, well, I'm trying to think what the verb would be. You, you can become, um, <laughs> they call it on Twitter. There's this thing called a Huberman type. And that's someone that every <laughs> single aspect of their life is like Huber, Hubermanized, if you will. Yeah. So, um, I, so I do have a morning routine and it's very precious and very sacred to me, but there is a balance because I have fallen into the trap of, okay, I'm going to meditate, then I'm going to say my affirmations, then I'm going to take my cold plunge, then I'm going to do this. And then by the time it's 1130, I'm going to start working, right? And it's just like, there's a balance to be struck between doing what you need to do to take care of yourself and then just overdoing with all this stuff. And so um, I try to keep our morning routine in no more than 30 minutes, but I do think giving yourself at least 30 minutes space is really, really important. And for me, it looks like I actually switch it up each day. And I, what I try to do is listen to what my body and mind and soul need. So I'll wake up and be like, okay, do I need some movement? If so, I'll hop on the bike and go bike for like 15, 20 minutes. Nothing crazy. Just like move my body. Sometimes like right now, uh, Hermosi just dropped a new book. So I wake up and I read, I read hundred million dollar leads. Um, every single day, what I make sure to do is journal 10 things that I'm grateful for. And that sounds so corny, but it is so powerful. And it's not even because I want to try to be some like grateful person. It literally, bro, makes me a happier human being. And when I don't do it, it's noticeable and I can't explain it. And for years, I thought this was kind of silly, but there is something that happens in your brain when you start the day out by just saying, I am so thankful for fresh water. I'm grateful for a good night's sleep. I'm grateful for a comfortable bed. Just these little things in life that we take for granted actually mean the world to us if they were taken away. And so that's really important that I do that. And then lastly, 
I just want to set the tone for the day. And what I mean by that is at 8 a.m. I'm doing this at 9 a.m. I, I try to lay out exactly what hour of the day I'm doing what. And uh, yeah, so so those two things, the, gra- the gratitude and setting the tone for the day is every single day. And then the other half of it is sometimes I'll move, sometimes I'll read, sometimes I'll, you know, maybe I need a little more rest and I'll rest a little bit more. But I try to limit it to 30 minutes because more than that, and I find it becomes procrastination instead of something that fuels me forward. That makes sense. And I get what you're saying too. I feel a lot of times when I'm do if I don't do something in the morning that I normally do, like I actually do a lot of, I do some stuff the night before I write down, I write down my tasks for the next day, the night before. And that's work and personal related. So like if I have, if I'm working out, like I know the time I'm working out, it's on that sheet and it's noticeable when I don't do it, it, my day is thrown off. Like like you feel it, like, you know, exactly where it's, where it's going. So I totally get what you're, what you're saying with that. And I get Mm -hmm. it. You can't be, you know, like people are like, Oh, I wake like people are like, Oh yeah, you got to wake up at 3am and do this. It's like, dude, like you, where are you making money in this entire thing? Like you working, what's going on? (laughs) The the getting up early thing is, is for the longest time I was like, I'm never going to be rich unless I get up at 4am and make my bed. And then I just realized how ridiculous all that is. And the only thing that actually matters. And, and a guy that pounded this into my head is Alex Becker. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he is like just, an OG of internet marketing. He became a crypto guy and then he just sold his ad business for nine figures. But he just always talks about it. He's like, you just, we all have the same amount of time in the day. So regardless if you get up at 4 a.m. or 8 a.m., like you still have the same amount of time depending on when you go to sleep. All that matters is your action and getting things done. So at the end of the day, whatever you have to do to be able to make, execute ruthlessly every single day, that compounds on itself and adds up so much more quickly than you could ever imagine. And it's so easy that to your point, the night before really is where your next day starts. And if I in the night without like kind of setting the tone for tomorrow and deciding what I want to focus on without fail every single time, it's an unproductive, at least first half of the day, usually entire day. So, yeah, it's so true now on that too. So how do you disconnect from when you're not working? How do you disconnect? I know you're into meditation. I know you're into I know you're into a lot of things, but how, yeah. what's your favorite, I guess, not how do you, what is your favorite way to disconnect from work? Well, that's a good question because it's damn hard. I mean, it's really hard <laughs> to disconnect. Um, honestly, it's something that's on my mind all the time, but I definitely have things that I do that allow me to create space. I, I like to call it space from what I'm doing all day, every day. And then like just my life. And so there's a couple things. Um, I got a, I have a girlfriend. We, we've been in a relationship for several years now. And it's obviously anytime you're with your your partner, it's just an opportunity to just kind of just take a deep breath and just kind of shut out the world for a little bit. And well, she's the most amazing cook ever. So we'll cook sometimes, we'll go out to eat, just hang out, things that couples do. Um, I live by the beach. I love nature. So I love going to the beach and just kind of like connecting to the earth and just chilling out, hanging out. Um, for me personally, I have never been a big drinker, but I love cannabis. And so cannabis is a tool that I use to be able to kind of, the way I describe it to people is, you know, I feel like I'm very intense most of the time and and I'm always going, going, going and trying to figure out, but cannabis really allows me to just kind of just, okay, like take a deep breath and just kind of hit the pause button for a minute. But to be honest with you, a lot of times I'll end up doing that and then get so many creative ideas that I'll have to just start like jamming out and typing and stuff. So it's a, it's a gift and a curse. It but cannabis has been an amazing tool for me. That's another one that is, you have to be extremely careful with it because it, it's something that is so good if you use it the right way. But the second you cross that threshold, which is a very thin line, which is the same thing with 
sex and food and travel. It's like there's a thin line for all these things. And once you cross them, it becomes detrimental. And for me, what happens is I, I don't become lazy, like the stereotype. That's never been something that's in my, it's just not in my DNA. But what it does is it impacts my sleep and it causes me to wake up a little more groggy and it causes the next day to get delayed. And so with cannabis in particular, I really try to, to limit it to two to three times a week. And then every two or three months, I'll take a month or two just completely off. And so what that allows me to do is have a good balance. And then when I'm enjoying it, I can enjoy it. And I know that like, for instance, September is going to be a completely off month for me. And that's because I have some big projects and I want to be dialed in 24 seven all the time. And so that's just one example um, of how I use it. But I think that you can use all of these tools to your advantage. And I just hate when people write things off because, you know, what they were told growing up from, you know, school or whatever, right? Another thing that I love to do, and I mean, dude, <laughs> such a cheat code is I love, uh, so it's a plant called Kratom. And Kratom okay. is, we have these Kratom and Kava bars in Miami. And it's like a coffee shop meets a lounge meets an actual bar. And so I love to go to the Kratom bar and drink it. It gives you a very, like extremely euphoric, relaxed, also like focused energy. And so that's really fun for me. It's a, it's a great alternative to alcohol actually, because it has, it's, it almost gives you like a similar euphoric effect, but instead of like being sloppy, you're like zoned in. And so it's like really, really cool. Um, that's so so interesting, dude. It's I'll have to, I'm going to send you a couple of products that I try. I think you'll, it's legit, dude. Super legit, especially for work. Um, but my point is that I love plants and plant medicines because they're an amazing way to kind of disconnect, but also tune in with yourself. And I think it's really important when you're building a business to make sure you're staying in tune because it's so easy to get directed by the intensity of what you're doing and just that fire that's called yang. And you need some yin in your life too. And the yin is, you know, relaxing with your girl, maybe consuming some cannabis, going to the beach, whatever that thing is for you, everyone's different. But those things really allow me to disconnect. And they also allow me to kind of fill up my creativity meter, which ultimately helps me in my business. So those are some things that I like to do to kind of disconnect from work. That's I I love that you have you have things that you're using to disconnect. And a lot of people don't a lot of people don't have that or they Mm -hmm. don't think about it. So now what I want to ask you this, because this is kind of the point of the show. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does living an awesome life mean to you or look like to you? Yeah, that's a That's an amazing question. And it's a, it's a tough one to answer. But I think that my answer for that would be what living an awesome life means to me is setting a really, really big vision for what I want to do in this world. And it's not necessarily accomplishments. It's not like, oh, I want to make millions of dollars. I want to be famous. It's more so like, you know, what actions do I want to take so that I can provide for my family, provide for my friends, What difference can I make to those around me that really, really matter to me? And understanding that vision, like it's a long-term vision. It's not a year or two years. It's like a 10-year, 20-year vision. Like I I very much believe that one day I'm going to be able to take care of my entire family and all my friends and close people around me. And I want to have a village of people that all live close to each other and that we all, you know, we eat healthy food, we exercise, we go to raves, we like work hard and make money and like just live life, right? And so having that long-term vision and then breaking that down and executing it day by day, that's what living an awesome life is, is consistently taking action day after day. And the reason that is so important is because motivation is fleeting, but if you have discipline, it's like, uh, I think it's James Clear talks about it in Atomic Habits, but he's like, you know, each action you take is a vote of confidence for the person you want to be. 
And so if I want to be the person that can provide for all these people and not even in a, oh, look at me, I'm providing for all these people. It's just like, I want to give back to the world because I feel like I've, get, I've gotten so much. If I want to be that person, it's important that I am staying disciplined with how much I'm consuming cannabis. It's important that I'm staying disciplined with how early I'm getting up. And it's important that I have a literal lockbox for my phone. It's important that this thing gets locked up for four hours a day, twice a day. So two different times a day, I lock it up for four hours because it is important that I am consistent and I show up every single day with focused intensity. And ultimately, that's me placing a vote for the type of human being and person that I want to be. And I think that if you can show up consistently enough, next thing you know, other people are going to view you in that light too. So to me, living an awesome, amazing life is obviously like, I don't even need to say the obvious things, spending time with you know, <laughs> family and friends we all know that that's important yeah. to me. It's having a vision and executing on it daily, even when it feels like no progress is being made, even when it feels like you're tired and you don't want to push through. That's who, that's ultimately what determines who you are. That I love that. And I'm not I'll tell you this because I'm not going to say this on every single episode mm-hmm. that I do this. But the whole reason that I started this podcast is because when I was I was 23, I was just out of college. Mm. I was bartending and I was working like odd jobs freelance. Right. And just where I'm from and like my family growing up was very into like security and everything. And everybody I saw. The question I always got, oh, what are you doing for a living? What are you doing for Mm. a living? And I just was sick of answering the question. I was like, I'm doing awesome. I do awesome. (laughs) I do what I want when I want to do it. And that, and like, I, that's what I, that, that was years ago. And now I've turned it into this where I'm talking to people like you who are doing awesome at life. And that's it. I'm not going to go into it every episode, but that's the reason for this podcast. Your, Your answer was phenomenal. And Finally, I have to do this. I need to know. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh man. Okay, so <laughs> this is a this shouldn't be as, as nuanced of a question as it is, but um <laughs> the reason it is is because um <laughs> so I transitioned a lot over the last couple of years. I used to be obsessed with hip hop and rap. Like I was just like I lived it and breathed it. But nowadays I'm really obsessed with like electronic music and EDM. Um, and so I think that I used to would have answered like some song by Eminem or some from one of these new school rappers, but now it would have to be, they're going to need to come out with a new version of karaoke because I need to be able to get on the decks and DJ the song along with the music or something like that. And I actually never thought about that until right now, but I love music. A lot of music I love doesn't have words. Um, and so it would probably be a song by like Odessa, Rufus Dussault. I love an artist named Millennium, something like that. And a lot of these are more so like music instead of lyrics so my go-to karaoke i mean i don't even know if i can answer that i would have to have like the dj deck and the boards to be able to play it out but it would definitely be something in the electronic music category that's gone are my days of rapping and and trying to match bar for bar with eminem you don't yeah you don't nobody's gonna do that anyway so you're good that that's phenomenal sam this was great having you on here man like really appreciate you coming on next time you come up north let me know. I don't. I know you're not here the next time that I'm not here the next time you're here. Um, also coming down there at the end of November. Yeah. So, but man, thank you for being a guest on the show. This was awesome. If you want to plug anything, now's your chance. How does that, how can everybody find you? Yeah. I mean, you can find me on any social media. If you type in Sam Knight, you follow Steve, you'll probably see me pop up. So, um, yeah, I'm very active on Twitter with business stuff. If you want to follow me for business stuff, if you want more kind of lifestyle and some business stuff, you know, Instagram, TikTok, I'm all over, but, 
I just think that the, the biggest thing that I want people to take away from this, that if you just consistently take action towards your goals, you're going to, re you'll never believe the doors that the universe will open up for you. So if anyone's going through a hard time, you got to just keep going. You just have no idea how things are going to keep work out for you. So just keep pushing. You are the definition of doing awesome, man. Thanks. So every, everyone, thank you for listening. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple, Spotify, subscribe to us on YouTube, and we will see you next week.